0: The following program is not intended for children under 13, even though 13 is the spookiest of numbers. It contains coarse language, mature content, stories about ghosts. It's kind of spooky. And also, I am not responsible for the things that come out of my wife's mouth. Listen at your own risk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spooky Stories. I'm your ghost co-host Matt McComb, the kooky one.
1: And I'm the spooky one, Kaya. And today we are going to hop in our time machine and go back to 1763.
0: We have a time machine.
1: We have a time machine.
0: Oh, damn. Why didn't you tell me we had a time machine?
1: Because mm, I didn't want you travel hopping, all, like time travel hopping all the time.
0: What do you think I would do if I had the ability I don't know. To probably
1: drama? rewrite history.
0: That's what I would do for the drama, probably. I feel like you probably I would. I would do it yeah. for the drama. <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah. I'd be like,
0: oh, no, I changed history. Whoopsie. Let's see the things unfold and <laughs> grab the popcorn. That
1: sounds accurate.
0: That does sound like me. Yeah. I don't think, like, I think it'd be so overwhelming of anxiety to change his, the course of history that you probably would just not be anxious about it at all. You'd just be numb because there's it's just an overwhelming feeling. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So welcome to our podcast where we discuss the <laughs> uh, benefits and anxieties of time travel. Um, I
1: mean, we're always keeping it fresh on here, right? <laughs>
0: no, this is a podcast where we record a spooky story that my wife has prepared for us yep and i rip on them because i'm a skeptic and go wait no wait let's not talk about spooky stuff i don't like spooky stuff my lexus haunted let's talk about not spooky stuff like what video games
1: some video games are spooky
0: yeah that's true there's like a lot of horror ones you'll never see phasmophobia (laughs) phasmophobia (laughs) we need to play phasmophobia one day uh we could talk about
1: dogs dogs aren't spooky unless they're ghost dogs
0: yeah ghost dogs are spooky
1: salt Mm, salt can be used sodium chloride's not spooky salt can be used for spooky purposes
0: i guess so that's true what do you use salt for lots of things you have the witch knowledge
1: (laughs) um basically You use it, salt is actually supposed to be for good things, not bad things. It's supposed to like help for protection. It depends on the kind of salt. There's different kinds of salts and each one has its own benefits.
0: Himalayan pink salt is when you want to pretend like you're fancy and yogi.
1: Himalayan pink salt is actually like a protection salt. That's literally its whole purpose.
0: But then what it was, is that what the lamps are for, is for protecting you?
1: Yeah, basically. I
0: thought they were just for selling junk at flea markets. No,
1: they're like for protection. So people put them in their homes to protect their homes. Have you ever
0: licked, licked a Himalayan pink no, salt No,
1: have lamp? you? No. I feel like that's something you would try, though. <laughs> oh, something I
0: probably would try. <laughs> we have
1: one upstairs. You want to try when licking it? When you start a
0: Patreon, <laughs> I will lick both Himalayan pink salt lamps in our house for $50. <laughs>
1: There we go. If we have we our first our page- stretch goals. <laughs> we have our first Patreon reward. Matt will lick salt lamps for you. I feel like that should be the two dollar tier. <laughs> you get a photo of Matt licking a, a salt lamp.
0: <laughs> what else are they good While for? plugged if in. Not
1: <laughs> protection. Yeah. Anyways, I
0: will also wear the hat of your choice, and you have the choice between cowboy hat, nor'easter hat. Or um, Riddler hat. Or all three at the same time. That is also available.
1: We're going to have to post a photo of you wearing all of them at one time. Oh, wait. Maybe. No, no, no. No, we have to keep it for we have people to keep on Patreon.
0: That's, that's, that's behind a paywall. <laughs>
1: that's true. <laughs> Anyways.
0: Yeah, fine. Talk about the spooky stuff.
1: All right. In 1763, a woman named Marie-Joseph Lacoraveau was found guilty of the murder of her husband and was sentenced to death. The punishment for her crime was to be hanged and gibbeted. This event sparked much folklore and became the foundation of a ghost story that has spanned centuries and is still prevalent in Quebec today.
0: How long did it take you to prepare saying her name?
1: Uh, I just guessed. Okay. (laughs) i like, i mean like Laveau,
0: come, i can come, come see sure.
1: how it's spelled and i have enough knowledge of french to be able to be like ah, oh, this seems like this is how it should be pronounced
0: gotcha
1: yes and eventually after like the first couple facts i just start calling her marie which makes it really easy because then that i don't need to remember all of
0: them easy yeah yeah so uh what's kibbit
1: so we'll talk about that when we get to it more. I have like the actual definition of so like this, what it is. this is the
0: part of the presentation where you're like, no more questions until yeah. then, please. Correct. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean some of it you can question but we're going to
0: question all of it
1: (laughs) you question everything so we're going to travel back so I know we said we were going to be in 1763 but Marie-Joseph de la Corvo was born in 1733 in what was known as New France at the time so New France was the area of North America that had been colonized by the French and it consisted of five colonies in its peak at 1712. Canada, which included Quebec, trois and Montreal, Hudson's Bay, Acadie and Plaisance, which was on the island that is now Newfoundland, and then the final one was called Louisiana. So Okay, yeah, yeah. So Canada was originally a colony. We've
0: done a lot of stories in yeah. Quebec. This is the first time that you've kind of tried to put on the French accent. I'm kind of digging it. We should <laughs> talk about this some more when we're done this podcast. Anyways. <laughs> wink wink. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> New France extended from Newfoundland to the Canadian prairies and then from Hudson Bay to the Gulf of Mexico. So it was like a it was basically most of North America.
0: See what I try to do is it, like New no France? Oh, <laughs> <yeah."> <laughs>
1: Anyways, so Marie was one of 10 children, but she was actually the only one to survive to adulthood, which is quite sad, but also quite common for the time. Was it? It was. I mean, they debunked that. I think in like the 1700s, you were lucky if you lived to like 25.
0: I don't think that's true.
1: Okay, well, you can do the history lesson later.
0: Okay, fine. I'll do the history lesson later. Okay. With trains. How do you like that?
1: I love trains. You know this. Don't don't even start with me on trains. There are no trains in this story.
0: (laughs) 1700s? I should have thought.
1: So on November 17th of 1749, at the age of 16, Marie was married to a local farmer named Charles Bouchard. It's said that Marie was a very beautiful but jealous woman who, after 11 years of marriage, believed her husband was having an affair with one of the women in the village. She confronted him and he denied the allegations now charles died in april of 1760 leaving marie alone with three young children to take care of
0: that bastard
1: right however marie wasn't alone for long and she quickly found another husband and married another farmer from her parish only 15 months after charles had died his name was louis etienne See? There you go. French.
0: Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Kate,
1: Caitlin, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> their marriage was the talk of the town and Marie's father had several public fights over property and business dealings with her new husband. Marie had petitioned to leave Louis on the grounds that he was physically abusive but was unsuccessful in her attempts. So like 1700s, you couldn't just be like, oh, you beat me by. You had to like petition the <sighs> church to be able to like divorce somebody which is crazy. Is that how it
0: worked back then?
1: Or is that how it works now? That's how it works now. Oh you beat me? Bye. (laughs) Basically. Basically.
0: I didn't beat you baby I just (laughs) gave you a nice little lip tap. Mm -hmm.
1: Anyways. (laughs) Side note I definitely don't beat my wife. If anything
0: she beats me. Not
1: true. At board games. (laughs) Sometimes. So unfortunately for Louis he wasn't around long either. In January of 1763 he turned up dead in their barn
0: interesting whoopsie
1: initially it was thought that he had been kicked in the head by a horse but after his wounds were re-examined they were determined to be caused by something closer to a pitchfork than horse hooves yeah those it's are very like, different like those i don't, are don't know very
0: very different
1: <laughs> i don't know how they mistook that in the first place but like cool
0: what do they call that mysterious killer uh, expert blunt force trauma if it was a horse hit and the right? what's the other one called Impalement.
1: I yeah, actually, <laughs> and those look like two very different things. Very
0: very different.
1: Yeah. So during the investigation, rumors about town had turned to murder, and murder. after murder, and after the examination, both Joseph and Marie were accused of murdering Louis.
0: See now, it's too bad that the horse didn't do it because they're going be murder. <laughs> Good
1: job. <laughs> So yeah, so Marie and her dad are both being accused of murder. So there was an initial trial before the military because that's how they did it back then. And Joseph was found guilty of murdering Louis while Marie was found guilty of being an accomplice. Now, during the 11-day inquiry... who's Joseph? Her father. We just had this. I introduced him back to you when I said that he and Louis had many several public fights.
0: Oh, maybe I only, like mistook him because like all of the people are french and like they all sound the same to me it's like oh yeah so we oui, then- is also here with blah 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 and they also lived in <laughs> with joseph with joseph
1: <laughs> um so yeah so during the 11 day inquiry most of corvo's neighbors testified against the father and daughter as well as another individual named isabel sylvain So, some reports say that she was a servant. Others say she was Marie's cousin. Some say that she was Marie's cousin who was their servant. Anyways, so this Isabelle is here too. Marie and Isabelle were sentenced to be whipped and branded. Marie received 60 lashes and was branded with an M for murder. (laughs) Actually, I think it was for Misdemeanor, some weird shit wasn't Branded actually M Well, I mean, she murder. was she was found guilty of being an accomplice, so I would assume that it was probably M for murder.
0: So when she's trying to make new friends, they're like, "What? What's? Why do you have that M on you? Oh, that's that's because I'm a mom.
1: M for Marie.
0: <laughs> M for Marie.
1: <laughs> um, proud it's, mom. Yeah. Isabel was given 30 lashes and was branded with a P for perjury due to the fact that she kept changing her story so many times while on trial. Oh
0: my God. Is that how they did it back in the day? Apparently. Instead of putting people in jail, they're like, bam, you get 50 lashes and you get the letter of whatever crime you did.
1: Um, for some people, but Joseph was sentenced to be hanged for his crimes Um, for murdering He wasn't just branded with an H? He was, he was going to be hanged. Yep. Now, he cracked and told the court that Marie had actually committed the murder and that he hadn't turned her in in an attempt to keep her from the gallows. Mm -hmm. So cool, but like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't think... I mean, there's things that people do for their children. I don't think that taking the blame for murder is something that any parent should do.
0: I mean, that's a super trope that's in, like, a lot of different I movies. know, but,
1: like, I don't think... Anyways. You wouldn't stand up for our child? If they murdered someone? No.
0: You'd be like, see ya. and <laughs> would
1: be like, you murdered somebody, <laughs> so you need to pay for murdering somebody. Yeah,
0: well poor child because i listen
1: to enough true crimes to know that if parents do and then they realize that the parents didn't murder them it's still just as bad you still go to jail so like i don't want that what's
0: the purpose of listening to all those true crime stories if you're not going to figure out a way to defend our child because after they murder someone and clean up the body and everything else i'm counting on you for this
1: i'm listening to them for other reasons okay anyways (laughs)
0: I just got spooked out.
1: Uh, So yeah. So Marie was questioned about Joseph's confession and admitted that she had killed Louis with a hatchet. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We need to stop here for a second. So she committed the murder with a hatchet. They thought that he was stomped by a horse and then impaled with a pitchfork. But she killed him with a hatchet. Those are all... Three very different forms of murder or the, death. The
0: constables were not very good back then.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so both Joseph and Isabel were released without charge. Joseph received an official royal pardon. And now Marie's in big trouble.
0: Did Joseph get branded? No. Because he was going to be hung. Because that would have been very difficult to get the brand off afterwards. Well, I mean. Did they it... have another brand to remove the brand? So it was just like an X?
1: I don't think so. Because I'm pretty sure that Isabel had to live with that P on her for the rest of the <laughs> Oh my God. For the rest of her life.
0: I think it'd be really interesting if like depending on how bad the crime was. Was how many letters of the crime would be on there. So if it was like perjury and you did a really bad job with it. Could you imagine you if didn't... you
1: were charged with like 10 things. Just your <laughs> whole arm is like a list of letters. They'd be like the alphabet is not in order. Do you know what you were doing? <laughs> like,
0: Yeah that'd be crazy. Anyway, And then like gangsters would be just like branding themselves just to be cool.
1: Right. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> um. Anyways, so the British authorities who had now taken charge of the province were likely embarrassed by the wrongful conviction and probably their inability to figure out the murder weapon. Let's I'm pretty sure they're just it.
0: like, look at that dead guy. Let's go find out who to yeah. blame. Um,
1: and they were likely beginning to question the death of Marie's first husband. So they chose to hold a speedy second trial.
0: Speedy recap.
1: <laughs> speedy trial. Now, during this trial, Marie was convicted of both murder and petty treason. So we're going to add P.T., I guess. I don't know. P.T. to her arm. Um, actually, we're not adding. Please don't pee. We're not adding anything because she was sentenced to not only hang, but for her body to be gruesomely displayed in a metal gibbet as a warning to others.
0: Do Are we going to finally learn what a gibbet yeah. is?
1: So, gibbeting was an English invention and would soon be abolished because um, they saw it as a relic from a barbarous age. Like, they're like, oh, maybe we oh, should... Oh, st- more bar- barbarous than yeah. <laughs> whipping right? people and then right? branding them with their cars. They're crimes? like, maybe we shouldn't put people in these metal cages anymore. More
0: barbarous than having a speedy trial?
1: <laughs> yeah. What is the so, purpose
0: behind a speedy trial?
1: <laughs> so, basically, what it was is... A metal gibbet is like an iron cage that's built to put a body in it. So you, it's built to fit a person. Yeah. Um, And then it's hung from like a pole or a tree. And then the body is just there left for people to see and rot and decompose and smell. Terrify the fuck out of everybody. Yeah. So that you don't commit a crime.
0: Side note, I am not responsible for the shit that comes out of my wife's so <laughs> mouth.
1: No. Anyways. Um so petty treason was actually a peculiar English criminal charge at the time and the basic definition that they used was that it was the murder of one's superior um which says a lot about the attitude of English common law. So, what? Yeah. crime was
0: considered the murder of your boss? So
1: petty treason was basically the murder of one's superior. So whether you were a servant who murdered their master or a wife that murdered her husband, you were murdering your superior and therefore charged with petty treason.
0: Why was it petty? doesn't seem very petty. I don't know. I mean,
1: if if you're a wife murdering your husband, it's maybe petty. (laughs) Anyways... Um, so Marie was hanged in April of 1763 and her body was placed on public display in an iron gibbet for about 5 weeks in nearby Pointe-Lévee. Okay. So, uh, this was an unprecedented experience for the residents of former New France and the constant sight of a decaying body at a busy crossroads seemed to have left a significant scar on the psyche of local culture. After two months of her body hanging on display, Governor James Murray ordered that she be taken down and buried in a local churchyard after several requests from local people.
0: But where would, what would they put in place? Like a Taco Bell sign? or
1: <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, so Murray was taken down and buried, cage and all. But that's not where her story ends
0: uh okay so
1: now we actually get to get into the spooky shit oh what i thought that was spooky <laughs> i mean like, it was bad, spooky but, the
0: but cops are done with <laughs> yeah. job
1: believe it or not there's scarier things in this episode okay so after her death come on scare me girl <laughs> i'm trying to <gasps> but you cut me off <laughs> can i tell the story now you may thank you after her death marie's stories were retold and expanded Many believe that Marie had killed her first husband due to his infidelity. Rumors were that the evening she confronted him, she snuck into the bedroom while he slept and poured molten lead into his ear, killing him instantly.
0: That's very different than a hatchet <laughs> or right. a pitchfork. I'm or like a horse trampling.
1: I'm like, if she had no problem pouring molten lead into her first husband, why did she simply use a hatchet on her second one?
0: He's just like waking up in the middle of the night,
1: what what are you doing, honey? I'm just making you a stew. <laughs> Go back to sleep. No big deal.
0: <laughs> Sounds like molten lady. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm just dreaming.
1: Or she's just a really bad cook.
0: <laughs> what if he was sleeping like on, like on his on his belly? I don't know. Then it would have been difficult. It was
1: a rumor. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know if it was true or not. Yeah. Anyways. The story of the number of husbands she had taken on and killed grew to be a total of seven. So according to folklore, she poisoned her second husband, choked her third one to death, then hung him from a noose in the rafters to make it look like a suicide, beat her fourth one over the head with a log until he was unconscious, then threw his body in a pot and boiled him alive. She stabbed her fifth one with a pitchfork and then arranged the scene to look like he slipped on and fell on it. There was no story about how she killed her second husband. And then Louis was her seventh, who we all know that she killed him with a hatchet.
0: Louis VII. Louis as we the seventh.
1: yep. There are also stories that she was the descendant of Catherine Monvoisin, who was at the heart of a poisoning ring in the French court in the 17th century. Huh. Yeah, so maybe she poisoned the sixth husband. Or, yeah, because we don't know what happened there.
0: I mean, lead is poisonous, but I feel like the moltenness of it would probably kill them. Instead override of the, poison. the
1: poison. Yeah. So it was believed that Marie was a witch that went by the name La Correveau, and that, like all witches, she vowed that the grave would not hold her. Mm. Of course, witches of 17th century, man, I tell you. It's been said that her corpse did not rest easy in the cage at the crossroads, and that rather than her being taken down and buried after two months, her body remained there for years before disappearing, having been claimed by the devil himself. Okay. Yep, apparently. devil
0: certainly took his sweet time. A couple years.
1: (laughs) Many years. He's like,
0: oh, I guess I'll go pick her up. She's kind of a bitch, though.
1: (laughs) Uh, One story says that the ghost of Marie was known to chase people who stopped to stare at her mortal remains and that eventually church officials heard about the terrifying apparition from frightened, credible parishioners. Her eyes would open of their own accord and her decaying hands would reach out and try to grab hold of the onlooker. There were also claims they would hear her whispering their names. Can you
0: imagine if we had gibbeted someone in today's day and age? They're just, like, hanging from a traffic light.
1: People will probably just think it was, like, a Halloween decoration that someone forgot to take down. <laughs> like, we're so desensitized to things.
0: I kind of want to gibbet, like, pretend there's a gibbeted person and hang it from a traffic light. Maybe
1: for our Halloween decorations
0: this year. Seems like a good publicity stunt.
1: Yeah. So, um... Weird shit's happening. What do they typically do in olden days when weird shit's happening from a dead body? Brand it. Uh, nope. They're going to try and perform an exorcism. Okay. (laughs) Of a dead body. I don't know. Sure. Um. Um, I mean,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on. We had a story before where she only killed two people and they brought her body, they gibbeted it, and then they brought her body and then buried it. Right. Where's all the rest of this stuff coming from?
1: There's a lot of different stories because this was the 17th century. So I'll kind of explain why there's so many different stories about what happened. Um, So anyways, back to the exorcism. Um, Arrangements were made to perform an exorcism. And apparently the first ritual was unsuccessful. They attempted two more times, but apparently the manifestation persisted, defying the exorcism performed by the church to lay her evil spirit to rest. So, so, exorcisms failed, aren't working.
0: How do you know it's not working? Is it because nothing's happening? Her head's not turning around? I don't know. Do you think it might be because of the fact because she's dead? It might be because right? she's dead.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. how do you perform an exorcism on something that's dead? Because how do you know if you've exorcised the demon?
0: <laughs> yeah. Right? Same with the house. That other episode exactly. we have where they like, exorcise the house. how do you exercise
1: a house? We Yeah. Questions, man.
0: Things you can exercise People... <laughs> Emily Rose, demons.
1: There you go. Um. So other stories include that the ghost of Marie floats around, still bound within the cage, and clings to the back of lonely travelers. She demands that they carry her across the nearby St. Lawrence River to the witches' Sabbat on Ile d'Orland. <laughs> so she looks like this, this oh, crumpled up body like-
0: <laughs> who's like just like trying to crawl on your back like like baby Yoda. Well, not baby Yoda, regular Yoda. Okay, I need in to find Star Wars. There's
1: like a drawing of this. Let me find it cuz I need to show you so that you understand what I'm talking about in like what they think. So basically this photo is a depiction and I'll post it when we share the po- the story. But like this is the depiction of her ghost hitching a ride on a traveler. And for those of you who can't hear, he's laughing.
0: That looks like less scary and more funny as hell.
1: Yeah. So anyways, that's one other story. Now, according to a descendant of La Corvo named Romeo Dion, Marie's caged body remained on display for more than 50 years before her relatives claimed the cage and sought to profit from her crime and suffering. Romeo also believed the evil device had been indirectly responsible for at least two deaths. The first occurred in 1879 when the cage was on display in an exhibition hall. It was suspended from the ceiling and began to swing wildly during a windstorm. A metal edge of the contraption hit a kerosene lamp igniting a fire and the flames engulfed the hall so quickly that the man in a house nearby was like engulfed in flames and killed in his sleep. Like this fire just grew and spread. Because of like the corner of this cage hitting a lamp. Now, the second death happened
0: have done a JSA on that yeah
1: the second death happened to Romeo's grandfather, who was found in a storage area on his property pinned under a fallen pile of scrap metal. It said that the pile had been stacked precariously with the cage on top. The man died less than an hour after he was found.
0: Wherefore art thou Romeo's grandfather? <laughs> I'm struck under the spell.
1: Uh, many people claim that when walking near the location of the hanging cage they can hear the sound of the cage rattling and creaking as it swings in the wind although the cage has been gone for many centuries I'm sorry why? I don't know because it's crazy it's creepy right Uh, the final images of Marie show her as nothing more than a skeleton in a hanging cage that would appear to terrorize residents hence what I just showed you in that it's photo. in a
0: cage. Yeah. It's so funny.
1: Now, Sylvie Tupin, who is a curator at Quebec's Museum of Civilization. I'm going to say that in English because the French version just <laughs> totally didn't work for me. Um, where Marie's gibbet currently resides has said that people were just trying to understand the event. So they made stories and that La Correveau is still living among the people of Quebec today because so many people know the stories. Yeah. Yeah. So I have some other fun little facts about Marie and her cage that we're going to chat about here. Starting with 1849, when the cage in which Marie had been gibbeted and then buried in was unearthed during work in the graveyard in Point Laveau. Now, the cage was placed in the church cellar, but soon disappeared, claiming to be stolen and sold to P.T. Barnum for his Museum of Oddities. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Now, Marie's cage was displayed in Montreal and New York, awakening a new interest in the tales of Marie that had sprung up since her death. The cage was considered lost until about 2011 when the LaVey Historical Society located it exactly where you would expect to find a cage of a legendary witch. Do you know where that is? Salem. Correct. Uh, It was being stored in the back room of the Peabody Essex Museum, who then loaned it to the city of Levee for two years. They eventually donated the cage to the Quebec Museum of Civilization and it remains on display there to this day. It is said that those who have gone to see the cage remark that the cage is extremely small, barely five feet in height, and very unlike anything that's been documented and drawn from the past. So basically what they're saying is like this cage may have been too small for a person to actually be in, but that probably just added to the torture, right? I mean, she was dead, so there was no torture. They just had to fit her in something.
0: I don't know why they put her in a cage.
1: Not sure. It was just the thing they did at the time. Now, in 2013, <laughs> the gibbet was being tested and studied to see if they might be able to pull DNA from it. And just days before Halloween in 2015, the museum made a major announcement that the cage is indeed the one that was used to display Marie's body many centuries ago. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. That's actually quite interesting. Right? I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um... Le Corvreau has been um, used in Quebec culture many, many times since the story of her. So there have been novels written about her. There have been plays, ballets, paintings have been done. We're going to start with um, writer Philippe-Joseph Aubert de Gaspé wrote about the legend of La Coraveau in his novel Les Anciennes Canadiens with her terrorizing passing travelers, just as in the legend. So that kind of helped build that story. James McPherson Lemoy featured Marie in his book Marie-Josephette Coraveau, a Canadian Lafarge, where he embellished on her story and wrote of Marie being a professional peddler of poisons, uh, which ties back to the story of her potentially being a descendant of uh, someone from a poison ring. His novel was later translated for the English-speaking world by William Kirby in 1877 and was combined with other stories in a book called The Golden Dog. La Cote has been featured throughout Quebec culture and has inspired novels, ballets, paintings, and music, like I said... In 1966, La Corriveau was premiered at Le Grand Ballet Canadien with collaboration from the Montreal Symphony Orchestra. The story has been turned into numerous plays that have been released in 1973, 1990, and 1993. Many novels have told various stories of La Corriveau, including a couple of teen novels, which I thought was interesting. Why they're like
0: young adult fiction novels? Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, young Marie Corvo learns her, that she's a witch and, like, goes Probably. on a, a journey to stop Voldemort? I don't know. Yeah. What do young adult fiction people care about these things? I don't
1: know, but <laughs> I didn't read them, but they're out there if anybody is interested. There you go. She's still referenced in new subjects today, such as the song La Corrida de la Corvo by Mrs. U- Ms. Yu basically in French, my eyes, uh, in 2001, which I listened to this song on Spotify because it's there and I'm going to include the link in the show notes. It's actually a very catchy, like Latin-esque song. So it's got like this little like salsa feel to it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's quite interesting. Sounds I like it's catchy. actually
1: <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, in 2003, Creepy Canada featured the story of La Corveau in season two, episode one, which carried out a reenactment of her story and its alleged paranormal aspects. So Creepy Canada has covered a lot of the cases that we've talked about on this show, but you can't actually find it anywhere. Like, I think we need to try and find it on like our Cody box or something, but I can't find it anywhere else to I'm watch it. We have a Cody box. <laughs> Um, in 2006, an animated film named La Corvo was released by Kyle Craig. It's a creepy little film that would likely make anyone uncomfortable, but I'm going to link it in the show notes if you're interested in watching it. And then in 2015, our good friends at Canada Post featured Corvo on a postage stamp in the second Haunted Canada set alongside the Headless brakeman and a few other characters we will cover on this podcast.
0: Another note. Those things are very expensive. They're so expensive. The Haunted Canada. The Haunted Canada Canada Collections. Collections. And not easy to get when it's not Halloween time. So... They're
1: just not easy to get in general because they don't make them anymore. If
0: you're looking to get them as a gift for someone, prepared to pay a shit ton on eBay.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So... Uh, with the original story of Marie-Josephette La Cote originating in the 1760s and the first written record not being done until the late 1870s, there's no surprise that the story of La Cote has developed so many variations. Marie is still haunting the people of Quebec into the 21st century, but the question remains... Was she really a witch who's been doomed to roam the earth for eternity, or just the victim of unfortunate circumstances?
0: Well, there was nothing in there that said she was a witch at all.
1: Except for, like, people's stories claiming that she yeah, was yeah. a witch. Yeah, but,
0: like, there was nothing that she did that was witchy. She just, like, murdered a bunch of people. Well, she murdered maybe. one, potentially two. Yeah, maybe.
1: Maybe seven. <laughs> she was an
0: accomplice <laughs> in a horse murder. which actually turned out
1: to be a hatchet murder
0: maybe she dumped lead into her husband while she was sleeping yeah that one's unconfirmed he was sleeping yeah um but like nothing witchy until she died and like there's not even good stories about that It just makes me laugh so hard because I just keep thinking of like an intersection, like a busy intersection where there's just a skeleton (laughs) just going. Like
1: 97th Street and 137th Ave.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like kind of shaking in this cage and people just driving by on their own business. And then sometimes (laughs) it just like escapes and like climbs onto people's backs and it's like, take me to the store. (laughs) Accurate. I need to buy some new glasses.
1: So since you've already given me your opinion on what you think of this story, like your thoughts on Marie's life, if you had to give this story a spooky rating out of 10, what would you give it?
0: I would give it six horse murders out of 10 hard to pronounce French names. (laughs)
1: Fair enough. Well, everyone, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked it, feel free to leave us a review on Facebook, facebook.com slash spooky stories pod. You can visit us on Instagram at instagram.com slash spooky stories pod or check out our website, spookypodcast.com. We are always taking your own listener stories. Please send those to us at hello at spookypodcast.com. And until next time, we hope you... Keep
0: it spooky. Ooh.